Yeah, because like you're saying right there is we got to stand out and we got to bring an A game and and we don't have the marketing pull, the push or the money that these guys do. And we don't have the name recognition. Um, So one of the things I learned is you have to have a strong presence. You have to have characters that resonate with people, a product that people want that gravitate towards. Welcome to the Under the Mask podcast, where we discuss the super process behind superheroes. Not just superheroes, aliens, horror, thrillers. If you can find it on a comics page, you can find it here. Here, you'll learn how to make comics from the initial outlines, scripts, and artwork to printing and putting the final book in a bag and board. For many years, Bill Colomb has written his book, Kinetic, and sold thousands of copies across the nation. And now we're inviting you along for an inside look to the comics process. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you're in the right place. This is the Under the Mask Podcast, and this is Bill Colomb. Under the Mask Podcast, episode 46. Last year, when today's guest launched his first book, he realized he had a major problem. We're going to find out how he solved it and much more today. My guest today is the writer, creator, and artist of Demon Hunter Raven. This series follows a trio of demon hunters struggling to keep a tight lid on demon activity when a series of kidnappings and brutal murders catch their attention. Demon Hunter Raven is live on Kickstarter through March 19th. You can support it by visiting www.kickstarter.com and looking up Demon Hunter Raven. Or just click the link in the show notes and description. I'd like to introduce Nicholas Mueller. The first thing I want to ask you, Nicholas, like I ask all my guests, uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about your story. Who are you and how did you get to be with us here today? Sure. Yeah. Great question. Uh, Well, I'm Nick Mueller. I'm the creator of Demon Hunter Raven. And Demon Hunter Raven was kind of like my sort of opus of like how James Obar's The Crow was. It was kind of something of uh, a therapeutic device to kind of get through some tragedies and trauma that had occurred. So, and it was never intended to be something of a marketable thing, um, just more or less to kind of uh, touch base with other people that were maybe dealing with the same difficulties that I've gone through. It ended up uh, resonating with a lot more people than what I myself expected. So I'm going through something of a growth problem right now, which is never a bad thing, but I'm, I'm definitely um, excited to see where this is going. But Demon Hunter Raven's story centers around a 17-year-old kid um, named Adam Davis, uh, and him and his dad are out on a, uh, on a stroll through the woods um, for reasons. And they get ambushed by a group of demons um, in the in the fight and everything. His dad hands him something called the relic called the, the light stone. And uh, in the process, he ends up becoming fused with it. And the supernatural armor embodies him. So he ends up joining this paramilitary group of the church that saves him in this encounter. Uh, and he ends up joining this group of demon hunters. And the rest of the series just kind of partakes on his journey of learning about what is this light relic? Where did his, what happened to his dad? They got ambushed. His dad disappeared in the fight. And uh, who, who is this group of demoners that he joined with? So we're kind of exploring the supernatural, um, the different organizations in this world and what, and what it means to be a demon hunter. Uh, it's not just about demons though. I'm, I'm artistically, I love to display all things. So there's going to be vampires, ghouls, ghosts, witches, goblins, what, whatever I feel like drawing. So um, it's, it's just a fun supernatural book. Uh, lots of action, lots of action. 
Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, Demon Hunter Raven, uh, but I wanted to also talk with you just about uh, your story and how did you get started writing comics? Um, well, I'm I'm an artist first and foremost. I, I really, back in the day, was inspired by guys like Jim Lee, Michael Turner, and wanted to, um, I just wanted to be a comic book artist. Uh, so back in the day, I, I tried to go to conventions and get um, like my portfolio looked at and everything. So that was like way back in the day when you were still doing stuff like that before like social media was real big, uh, before even Facebook existed. Um, but I ended up taking like a tiny year hiatus and just was focusing on, on careers, work, and, and forming a family. And uh, I ended up coming back into wanting to really create and draw and, and the landscape had changed so much from like what it originally used to be because now you can you can publish your own stuff you can put stuff online so I started doing like uh, webtoons um, online web comics just trying to find a base of something to work with and uh, nothing really ever ever really hit with anything but uh, this this newest one that I've been working on that I just created about like a year and a half ago roughly estimate has seemed to really be resonating with people and uh, this is a dumb question Nicholas uh, are you the artist on Demon Hunter Raven as well I am, yes. And there's no such thing okay. as a dumb question. <laughs> For some that's reason, okay. I thought you had just written it. Well, actually, that's been kind of the problem with this notes Kickstarter is I've my, my stuff has improved so much because I've been taking, I love taking feedback. I want to progress and keep growing. And so the people that come in and tell me like, hey, you know, you could work in this area. So what my first book looked like compared to what I'm currently putting out, they look like they're by two different people. So yeah, some people have asked if I've hired a new artist. No, it's still me. <laughs> Cool. So that's a that's a pretty cool compliment maybe unless they mean that as, as like oh well, this guy sucks now <laughs> uh you've already given us the quick pitch for demon hunter raven so let's talk a little bit more about it uh what was the initial inspiration behind demon hunter raven yeah a lot of it comes back from my love of like shonen mangas like bleach naruto uh, dragon ball z and that sort of stuff and then also kind of the real world catalyst like james obar's the crow i really wanted to have a very personal connection to the story a lot of it is very therapeutic and it's it's manner of diving into tragedies and traumas and um just kind of using it as an exercise to kind of go through and, and, and deal with those emotions um i'm a father of five and i've got a wife so instead of randomly punching people on the street and, and just blurting out angerish angry moments I'd, I'd rather put it into a comic so that's really where the formation the idea came from so there's a lot of punching in the book <laughs> And let's talk a little bit about your process. How did you take Demon Hunter Raven from concept to finished script to taking that script and making it into a full book? Sure. Yeah. So a lot of times it starts with a design or an idea. And I'm just kind of playing with the ideas and I'll get a notebook and I'll just start kind of writing, jotting things down, just kind of like vomiting onto the page. And then I'll kind of keep reworking those ideas. And then I'll kind of come up with like a script, a plot, an outline of like where I want to take things to go. It's taken a while to kind of refine that process, but it, it really starts with like a visual element. Like a, maybe I see a scene in a movie or I see a concept drawing and I want to expand upon that or put my own touch on it and, and put my own sort of idea on top of it. Lately, uh, I, I've kind of gone about it the Marvel way where I'll, I'll visualize the whole script. I'll do a bunch of page layouts um, and then I'll kind of go in and, and like Stan Lee it a little bit and put in these awesome dialogue buttons or dialogue balloons and stuff and just kind of form the story from there. But um, for this, this current iteration, I've hired a writer to kind of help me plot it out better because things are growing a lot quicker than I can myself handle by uh, on my own. Uh, so it's, it's just good to have a, a, someone over there to look over your shoulder and be like, you know, do, does that make sense? Or you know, is, is so part of it is I've, I've hired an editor slash writer to guide me through the process and to um, establish where the story might be going. Because you don't want you don't want plots that suddenly just drop off or uh, new things to suddenly surprise people. So, yeah, it's 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 uh, an ongoing process of refining. <laughs> and how did you hook up with that co-writer 
Uh, did they approach you? Did you approach them? And also, I uh, just want to say, how did you find any of the other art team? Sure. So uh, Brandon is from Brainy Pixel, and he is the co-writer on this current iteration. Um, we we kind of just stumbled upon each other. I think we were just both on Twitter and Facebook. He was just putting up something called Tenet's Tales, and we both had a very similar um, style uh, or similar sort of story. And, our, and we, we got to talk, and we found out we both had some very similar backgrounds personally. We just saw an opportunity. We were just talking back and forth about doing a crossover with our characters. And um, I started, as we were working on the crossover, I came to a point where my stuff was just starting to drown. Like I had too many, I put too much on my plate and I was uh, handling more than I could handle. So I, him, I know he's a great writer. And so I wanted to, I approached him. I said, would you help me? And so he said, yeah, of course, uh, for money, but no. <laughs> but um, so that ended up being a great, a great deal. Cause now we're, we're fleshing it out and bringing a better quality to the series that hasn't been there before. The other people is pretty much similar. Uh, people I just met through networking, through YouTube channels, going on to shows like Matthew Reese, uh, The Matriarchy, his YouTube channel. I've been on there several times. Uh, we got to talking and he just started spitting ideas at me. And I was like, man, I can't, I got to go with this. Um, so a lot of them is just simply just by networking or just, I stumble upon these people on accident. That's kind of just how a majority of them come across. Yeah. I did an interview with uh, J.W. Sims, who's the creator of Omni. Uh, it's a, a superhero story. Mm. And as I was talking with him, I was like, man, I'm like, I'm really excited for this. And he sent me the, uh, you know, issue number one just to check it out ahead of when it mm. was available. And I was like, man, I'm like, I'm really right. excited about this. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I kind of got this idea for a little like four pager. I'm like, are you looking for somebody to write like a little supplemental story? Sometimes it's that random meeting that yeah. hooks people up. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's part of the creative process is finding people of like mindedness and, and, and wanting to collaborate, create. I think that's kind of like why we end up having these interconnected universes and because we want to see these things established, come together. And, and I mean, creating with other people can be arduous and painful in some cases, but when you find that person that you're just clicking, you're on the same level and it just flows. I mean, that, that could be so much fun. I mean, I don't know how to describe it other than like, you're just, you're clicking. It's, it's coming together and it's, it's a lot of fun. And you're also, you're not just the creator and co-writer, you are the artist on Demon Hunter Raven as well. How would you describe your art style? Yeah, so I, I lean pretty heavy into showing uh, manga, anime sort of aesthetics, um, but yet still try to be somewhat in the Western Bay because um, my, my audience is, is of a Western nature. Um, but if they enjoy I, like anime and manga, they're going to appreciate it. But I, I definitely try to be influenced by like guys like Michael Turner, Jim Lee, the artist behind Death Note. Uh, so I, I really get into those sort of styles. So if you're into something of a of blend of both worlds, I don't I don't mean so heavy into anime where it becomes where it where it it it, it, it kicks out the Western people that want to see it. So it, I try to I try to walk that fine line so that both audiences can enjoy it to a certain degree. But yeah, I'm definitely play both fields. And for everyone listening, it's hard to describe what something looks like when you're describing something visual in words. Uh, so I'd invite everyone, if you're interested about this, if the concept seems cool, go hop on www.kickstarter.com. Go look up Demon Hunter Raven. It's chapter three, but you can also get the previous I believe it's three, isn't it? Because you did an issue zero, issue one, issue two, right? That is correct. Yeah. Can, yeah. But So you can get all four of those in the catch up tier if you're not familiar with it. And go look at the artwork because it is some fantastic artwork. And they oh, thank have you a, very much. What are you excited about with this Kickstarter launch? You know, for me, this is a kind of a a, uh, a retooling of what came before. For a lot of people, they're just now starting to discover me. So this is the best jumping on opportunity for people because uh, in the process from the last campaign, I ended up getting a book deal where this is going to get distributed into stores. So I had a chance to kind of go back and 
retool some of the older stuff. The first chapter that I ever did was in black and white. I've now had the opportunity to go back and color that so that it stands in kind um, in, 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 in the same style with the rest of the books. So if you missed out on the last campaigns, it's the perfect time to come in and, 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 and read it all in one shot. So I've got, we're funding for the newest chapter, but I have a collection now of the previous chapters that will allow people to jump in just at the same point where everyone else is. Um, and, and have a much better reading experience because I've had some great people come alongside me and give me some very generous feedback that allowed me to um, bolster up the story and a few other elements to give people something a little bit better than what it, uh, was previously given. And we had talked a little bit before the show just about how you had developed as an artist. Do you have any plans to go back to that first issue? Because you had said that you've you've developed as an artist so much that uh, there's people coming up to you, repeat buyers say, hey, did you get a new artist from this because you've developed so much? Do you have any plans to go back to that first issue and uh, remaster it? You know, I did ask my audience that because I was I, I was playing with that notion, that idea of like, you know, should I go back and make it all similar and, and consistent? Um, but so many people said that this is, th- that's such a great way of going back and seeing your growth as an artist, which I totally understand because with other artists, I'll look back and be like, man, it's, it's really cool to see their journey and how they came from this. So from my point of view, it's really painful to go back and look at it. But so many people have come up and said that we really like seeing the growth in your artistic abilities and and how you have established yourself further and, and how you've grown. So no, there's definitely, I just, I'm just recoloring it just so that it um, is no longer in black and white. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about creators who get stuck on one project and maybe they come out a couple years later with issues two, issue three, and then they say, well, now, you know, my, I've developed so much as an artist that my first one doesn't look as good. So they go back and remaster that. But since they remaster that, they've gotten even better. So then yeah. they got to go remaster two and three. Then they want to go back. Yeah, it's it's that cycle that you kind of get stuck in this perfectionist. Like, could you imagine if Michelangelo kept redoing his works? Alino da Vinci was like, man, the Mona Lisa, it's not there yet. I mean, I understand that we, we want to take time to perfect a product at the same time. There is an expectation that we have to get it out. Um, and But then also you run into the the issue of, are you rushing a product? Are you putting out something that's of lesser quality? So I, I think as as creators, we need to have a second pair of eyes to tell us like, you know, hey, that's good. Or you can step away now or, you know, because I, I, I think as creators, we're also never... F- 100% satisfied with what we're doing. There's, we can always do better. We can always do better. So at some point, you just have to kind of decide what is good enough or what reaches that point of standard. Well, right now with Demon Hunter Raven, uh, you're sitting in a really good spot. You are overfunded by quite a bit. You're sitting right now at 4400 out of your $2,500 goal. So you're going for those stretch goals. You've got 87 backers. You still have 19 days to go. So you got plenty of time left on the clock. What's next for you and Demon Hunter Raven? Well, um, so this is chapter three, but it's part one of a three-part story arc that we're doing. So this is Nocturnal Moon. Uh, The coven is going to be, uh, is purposely going around and kidnapping people uh, for a sacrificial thing upon the city that they're going to release called the Nocturnal Moon. Uh, And the story really dives into the ongoing story of Raven and and his new ally, Violet, to go to work together to see if they can um, stop this ongoing threat. So this is just part one. And then part two and three will deal with either the ramifications, whether it worked, whether it didn't. Uh, so it's going to be an ongoing feud. Uh, so this is just uh, the, the intro to that whole entire um, battle that they're going to be going through with the coven and these witches and their sort of crazy elaborate plans that they have going. So there's more story to tell, basically, is what, what's going to be happening. Nicholas, what have been the biggest obstacles or challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them? 
you know, I think for many creators, I would say our outreach is probably our hardest part. Uh, we can all create, we can all make something, but being able to get into people's hands or get people to see it is the hardest part. Uh, my first Kickstarter, I only got 44 backers. I only, I barely met my goal. Um, so my ability to market was probably my biggest obstacle, getting other people to care about the product. How do you get someone to care about your product? I think right now in our day and age, we have an oversaturation of product out there. So how do you stand out above everyone else? How do you get people to care about what you're working on? I was blessed to have a time to go work in the marketing world and sit with some very high um, quality marketing people. And they sat me down and they taught me like, how do you market it? How do you, how do you sell them on something without even like telling them what they're going to buy? How do you get them interested in it? So I got to spend like a good six months of just training under people so that when I came back to do my second Kickstarter, that one blew up because I was, I worked so hard on networking with other people, getting myself out there. I'm presenting myself because when, if you just slide into someone's DMs and be like, you want to check out my book, nine out of 10 times people aren't going to care because you're bothering them. You got to, you got to make them, make them care about the product and, and, and then make it, get it on their radar enough that they want to buy your book. Yeah. And I think part of what uh, resonated with me, what you, with what you just said was uh, the oversaturation. Uh, Cause not only is there an oversaturation of media, I mean, cause you have, you know, yeah. cable, you have cable TV, but then you also have Netflix, Hulu, Disney plus paramount plus now i mean there's so many streaming services and comics is just a small subsect of you know television movies books literature and in comics itself then you got to compete against batman superman Mm -hmm. spider-man marvel dc image boom studios you know all these big names these titans of sequential art oh yeah definitely and it's tough as an indie artist yeah because like you're saying right there is we got to stand out and we've got to bring an a game and and we don't have the marketing pull the push or the money that these guys do and we don't have the name recognition um so one of the things i learned is you have to have a strong presence you have to have characters that resonate with people a product that people want that gravitate towards um because one of the things i've asked most people like when they're asking me like how do i get out there well First off, why should people like your stuff? Why do you like the things that you like? And it's usually because we have some sort of emotional pull to it. You know, maybe it's joy, maybe it's happiness, maybe it's sadness. You know, you have to find that connection that brings people in. Um, and once you can answer that question, you're going to understand better of how do you connect this with other people, and you can start marketing it better. What has been the biggest mistake that you've made? Yeah, so that's probably numerous and many. Like just yesterday, I was someone was helping me with understanding that I've really goofed up on the reward tiers of this current Kickstarter that. It was really confusing because I've got a standard in the deluxe and then I've got a volume one. So they helped me kind of go back and, and change some of the wording. But unfortunately, I can't do that in the edit bay. Some people are like, well, does volume one and does the deluxe, are those the same thing? So sometimes I overcomplicate things. So my failures tend to be me overextending my grasp or doing more than I can. My biggest fault is that I need to ask for help more often. I'll just go in and just plow through and do it all on my own. Um, so the biggest obstacle has been asking for help. With that, with asking for help, how are you overcoming it or working on overcoming that? You know, so the biggest thing has been having guys like Brandon or Matthew coming in and, and, and basically kind of help being a guiding path to uh, setting up some of those goals or asking me questions. Because um, because one of the best things I could have done was bring on an editor or you know slash co-writer because they'll actually start picking your brain. They're like, why are you making that decision? And sometimes I think as creators, we take that personally because these things are like our babies that they're personal to us. So when someone starts questioning us on our decision-making, we could get offended by that. So a lot of it was just working on taking the personal part out and seeing it from a business decision. Um, I want to make money on this. I want to get this into many people's hands. If I'm putting out a subpar product or something that is not up to the same quality 
of what I would deem to be sellable, then should you be putting out that thing? And and since this is a business sort of thing, receiving that feedback, um, being asked questions, especially critical ones that I don't think all of us enjoy, but they come from a good place. So a lot of it has just been receiving feedback and then implementing it. We, we talked a little bit earlier about how you had started out and then you'd, uh, you wanted to build up your circle and uh, build up your fan base and that you took steps with uh, outreach. What steps did you take to expand your influence in circle? For one, that's a hard question because I'm not sure it didn't come naturally. It wasn't just something that I just overnight did. It was a lot of hard work. It was, I would jump into these YouTube channels or I would just be in these Facebook groups or um, Twitter threads and I would just be a real person. I wouldn't be shilling my stuff left and right. Like Demon Hunter Raven, Demon Hunter Raven, gotta buy it. Like I wouldn't be putting that link everywhere. I just, I was just a fan like everyone else. So the way that I came forward with it was, I'm a fan of your work. I really enjoy what you're doing. Um, and then I would just ask some questions. And a lot of times these people are more than willing to answer your question when you're nice. I, I should clarify when you're kind of a, a jerk and you start demanding stuff, you're going to rub people the wrong way. So for me, extending my reach was just simply being a real person. And, I, and I'm a fan of a lot of people. So that kind of helped me open the doors for me because I love a lot of people's work. So that helped out immensely. What's been your best moment? Um, it would be this this immense growth that I'm going through right now. That first Kickstarter, as I stated, didn't it didn't go anywhere. I mean, it barely founded. It took me all 30 days to get the amount of 44 backers that I had. I fought tooth and nail for those guys. Um, but I, I delivered. I shipped out. I got it into people's hands. Then I just went and did it again. And each time I've worked on just getting out there, reaching out to people, honing my craft, uh, putting out something that people would want, not just me. Um, so that's been my most groundbreaking thing is, is is discovering what people want, answering those questions, and, and just delivering on a product. And then when people said they had an issue with it, don't not to go, oh, they don't know. They don't know what they want. No, they bought my product. I need to listen to them. So it's, it's, it's receiving that feedback and then expanding upon it. What was the best advice that you've received? Oh man, there's one too many to really give you deliver the product. That's for sure. I think we have a plethora of creators that they get halfway done and then it becomes stalled or they can't keep up with it or things fall apart. I, I think the best advice was just, you know, if you're in this, continue with it. You, you, you're going to fail, you're going to fall down, but you have to define what is success to you. You know, is it just putting out one book? Is it putting out two books? I, there's been too many. That's probably the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Because I, th- I think as creators too, sometimes we get bored or we think of a new idea that's like, oh, this is better. I should jump onto this. But you got to stay focused on one thing. You got to deliver on it. Especially when you hype people up for something you've been talking about for weeks. You're like, oh, I'm going to do this. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. We hype people up and then we don't deliver. So if you create a bunch of false starts, they're giving people a bunch of like uh, the buy that cried wolf sort of mentality. They're not going to follow you. They're not going to trust you to deliver on something. Um, so if you can continuously repeat your same actions, produce, deliver, produce, deliver, you'd be surprised how often, how, how bigger your audience base will grow because people talk, word of mouth spreads. Everyone listening, thank you for listening to the Under the Mask podcast. Demon Hunter Raven is live on Kickstarter. You can support it by visiting kickstarter.com, go into their search field, look up Demon Hunter Raven. It's going to be the first thing that pops up or simply follow the links in the show notes and description below. Nicholas, where else can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter or Facebook as uh, Nicholas Raven Mueller. We're on Instagram under my publishing imprint, BMR Comics. And you can find us online at bmrcomics.com. Nicholas, thank you so much for coming out and talking with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. This is a blast. If you know a creator that makes comic books or any other media and think they'd be a good fit for the show, drop us a line at underthemaskshow at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Under the Mask podcast with Bill Colomb. Welcome to the family.
If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you've found the right podcast for you. Thanks for listening, and make sure to like or leave a review, and we'd appreciate it if you'd tell a friend or two. To reach out, visit us at underthemaskpodcast.com. This has been a presentation of Why Comics. Till next time, this is the Under the Mask Podcast, signing off.